It's a show with two retired detectives that were in the thick of New York crime, fast and hectic. They got some stories and some jokes. Even an interview with the most powerful folks. Off the cuff, off the cuff. One episode just saying enough. Get a little laughter and an interview too. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. This is my uh, actually third story, third episode <laughs> Coffee with Cannon at 1 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, Phil and I did a show on the Travis Scott concert, uh, people, people dying at those concerts. And tonight we're going to uh, touch upon again the uh, Brian uh, Laundry case with Gabby Petito. There's been a lot of um, content on uh, YouTube about it. Nothing that's uh, earth shattering, but we just want to touch upon some of the other content creators, what they've got to say, and I'll give a little bit uh, our spin on it and what we feel about this. And with me tonight and on most nights, except if I'm in Florida where I was yesterday at Maya, I can't even say it. Maya Kahachi. Maya Kahachi Creek Reserve. And I'm going to show you a little photos from that. I mean, that was an experience. But anyway, tonight I have with me my co-host, straight out of Brooklyn, Phil Grimaldi. What's going on, Phil? Not too much, Billy. Happy to be back. Uh, hit the ground running, like you said earlier today in a text. And here we are. We're doing it again. You know, someone, Holly Chick. I love that name, Holly Chick. Where'd you go? I just saw you in the chat, Holly Chick. Here you are. Holly Chick. How did you like that park, Bill? Well, I'll tell you one thing, Holly Chick. It's a beautiful park. But I'm going to show you a couple of uh, photos of it. It's a little bit scary. I mean, I would not pitch a tent in this park and lay down in the tent. I'll tell you that right now. I would find it extremely intimidating. Uh, Duty Ron had on one of his episodes, he showed you, um, this is exactly what it looks like. But just think of all the possible creatures that could be in there. They have um, mountain lions. They have those feral pigs that are scary. They could kill you. Wild you know? boar. Wild boar. Yeah, they are really scary looking. Uh, and, of course, they have alligators. They have snakes. I would not – this is not a place that I would want to go camping. But yet this is the place where um, uh, Brian Laundry chose to go camping. I'm going to just show you a tiny bit because I had some problems yesterday with my um, reception because I was just going live. With my phone, there was no, um, you you know, there was no, um, which, what do you call it, Wi-Fi. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this up um, and I'm gonna put this on. And I'll just show you a little bit of it. it. Looks exactly really like the photo. What Florida? I'll show you the sign. So I'm down here in Florida. I would take a little short walk, a little tour. We'll walk through some of the same places that uh, I was walking through. Seems pretty beautiful right now. 
not seeing any lions and tigers and bears on my yet. <laughs> I'm walking along the path here. <laughs> so you guys, uh, Lisa Thompson. Hi, hello everyone. Yeah, this is um, where Brian Laundry uh, apparently was found in the north, uh, Northport, Florida, and this is the Mayakahatchee Preserve. I'm just going to walk a little bit. I'm not too familiar with these, and I don't want to. I don't want to run into any alligators, you know. Time travelers, who am Lisa Thompson? SSS, hello. It's beautiful here, isn't it? Very greenish. Uh, I drove here from Fort Myers. Uh, good morning from San Diego. I guess I should just call this. This is um, coffee with Cannon, even though I'm in the Maikahatchee uh, Reserve down here in Florida. Uh, okay, good. Uh, Gisela, hello. Grizzly Books. Good afternoon, Bill. How is Florida? I'm still in Florida. This is in um, Northport, Florida. Where all the uh, Brian Laundry stuff took place, I'm in the right place, right? Um, I just wanted to show you guys that I really was there. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't punking out. I did go in there, but I'll tell you one thing: I'm not like a real woodsy guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm more of a city guy, a suburb guy. When I walked in there, I wanted to have my nine with me, and I didn't, man, because. You know, I expected to run into something. And I, I kept hearing stuff rustling in the woods. And I was like, oh, maybe I should move back towards my car. And I blamed it on the reception a little bit. But I was a little concerned, you know. You mean that wasn't like the alleged moon landing uh, in your backyard? Oh, oh my God. I'll yeah, tell you I one thing. Uh, I, I know the feeling what you're talking about, though, because when you travel and you don't have your firearm with you, when, you know, I mean, I've been carrying a firearm my whole adult life. And, uh when you don't have it and you're in the woods and now these things rustling around, it gets a little bit uh, creepy, so to speak. Jennifer Nicholas, is it true? Bobcats, panthers, pythons, everything. And I'm from Delaware and I live in Fort Myers. Never go out at night. Scurried. Go out at night. I was lucky I would even go there in the day. Yeah. I mean, this place was very intimidating. And mm. I was thinking, like, people camp here? Are they out of their mind? If you walk in the, down those paths at night, I, I, I think you're crazy. You, you really act absolutely crazy because there is, you know, there is all kinds of wildlife there. And you know something, you may not even mean it, but you may surprise a bear. You may surprise a mountain lion. You may surprise an alligator or step on an alligator that looks like a rug, you know, and at night you're not going to see that. And that alligator's going to do what? He's going to eat you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, uh, those wild boar are pretty nasty animals. They have two, like, tusks. They have horns, whatever you want to call them, that come out of the side of their mouth. And uh, they'll go you with that. I know people that have hunted them. And uh, they're a they're, they're couple of hundred pounds of solid muscle. They're very, very uh, strong animals. So you run into one of those, that could be – and then, you know, you got snakes. You got pythons. You probably have uh, insects that could cause you to fall ill, you know. So uh sounds like a very rough terrain. And, Billy, I noticed one thing that when you were there – um, it seemed to be that, and I think Dave Rader talked about this from, uh, Northwest, what was it? Northwest EquiSearch or Texas EquiSearch? Texas, Texas EquiSearch. Equi yeah. yeah. He, he talked about it when they were doing the search for, um, summer welds, how with all that brush and that thick, uh, forest, I guess you could call it, how it's very still down there. It didn't seem like there was much air and you really were on a path. So could you imagine being in you know, the real part that it's uninhabited, just, you know, wildlife in there. So uh, I guess it would get very, uh, 
you know, very dense and very, uh, you know, a lack of uh, circulating air. And it's probably, you know, when it's hot, it's probably real, uh, real warm. Now you were saying it was about 70 degrees when you were there yesterday. Correct? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that warm. It was nice, but I just like, I, you know, I'm going to put this up on the screen. This is from duty runs uh, episode. And you got to see some of these animals that they caught on these cameras, like nighttime cameras. Check this so out. Allie yeah. and, uh, and her husband go through. Was that a bobcat? I think it was yes, a, that was a bobcat. Like really small to me. I can't really make out what that was. It was definitely a cat. Look at this. Yeah. There goes a boar. Oh, that's a big ass one up there. <laughs> See that animal right there? Very <laughs> dangerous animal. Right now. So we're looking at 27 Look, inch monitor. Oh, a little a little deer, food for this the boar. <laughs> I guess this was a camera that was set up in the woods. Yeah. But you could see there's a lot of water here. It's muddy down here where my the where the cursor is. Look at that. What the hell was that thing? It was an otter, I think. Oh, yeah, an otter oh. to me. Yeah. 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 It was deer. This is from Duty Runs. I got to give him credit. I'm taking. Uh, yeah, again, I, I my my biggest concern out there would be. Uh, There's another bobcat. That's a nasty animal. Now, can this thing kill you? What is this? Oh, it's a bobcat. It's not gonna. Uh, it's not a lynx. I, I really, my phone is like this small. Um, it's again, those things aren't gonna ever come after you. But if you happen to corner it, anything. I mean, you corner an otter, you're gonna be in big trouble. <laughs> right. So I couldn't tell if that was a bobcat or, or a lynx. My phone is like really yeah, a mile away from me right now, and it's really tiny. So it had there, goes the there goes that otter again. That's an otter because the way he was running. Right. Yeah, I'm just moving forward because I, I didn't preview this. Oh, Father Piglets. Father the Piglets. Look at this. Oh, this is a big one. This is some scary stuff. I think that's a wild boar. What yeah. we're talking about that will kill you and eat you whole? Eat the bones? Not, yeah, I mean a pack of feral hogs. Yeah, they'll 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 uh, they'll devour a carcass. I would imagine. Um, but again, your your biggest concern out there is not these kind of animals. They're going to see you. You stand erect. We're very intimidating. They're they're going to run away from you. It's it's when you corner something, or you surprise like a mother and her cubs, then right. anything will protect its young. You know what I mean? All right. This is like a. Now, now so you know why? Why are we sharing this? Because we we're showing that um, you know everyone's talking about uh, Brian Laundry, and of course, what did they discover left of his body? Right, was uh, was very little left. So these are the type of animals uh, that could have you know eaten him. Had you know even if he hadn't died of say suicide or whatever, these animals could have you know eaten his his carcass and left what they left there it sounds like the area is heavily uh infested with wildlife i mean if you, you look at that i don't know how long that uh that camera was set up for but you had four or five different species of animal there and again billy you make a, a great point because let's say he got bit by a snake and fell ill to that and then he uh, succumbed to it died and then now they had uh food uh, they may have had a feast uh, a pack of Wild uh, boar or any of the animals would be uh, would be uh, gnawing on the on the remains, and I think they were saying in that that the wild boar would actually even eat the bones. So, uh, and I'm sure a lot of uh, if there is a carcass out there, a human 
uh, human body, it would be spread out in a, in a vast area. And we don't know exactly what was recovered on Brian. They did say the skull at least and some other bones. So, uh, you know, the chances of suicide, in my opinion, I don't think were very great because of all the things that took place before he even went into the woods. Uh, so I think in my opinion at this point, you know, even based on just watching that little video clip, uh, if I had a guess, I would say that he succumbed to either the wildlife or, uh, you know, obviously he could have been, you know, ingested pills and, and committed suicide or, or hung himself or something to that effect. There was, if the, if it was a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head, the skull would have shown that. So I don't think it was that. Um, so I think the possibilities are only a, a suicide, which I think is on the lower end of the spectrum for me, or uh, succumbing to uh, some type of interaction with the wildlife. Margaret Hearn, uh, if Brian Longy knew that this reserve so well, why would he think he could survive more than a few days? He was a coward who planned to commit suicide when he knew he would be arrested and jailed for life. That's Well, that's a good possibility. But, you know, everyone is still... I mean, there was there's a guy uh, I forget the name of his podcast. He's very successful. I think he's got over two hundred thousand subscribers. And last week he had a charity thing, a, a fundraiser for Gabby Petito, and he had Dog on the show. And you know, to me, uh, not to criticize Dog, but to me, he's a cartoon character. And um, he was saying that he doesn't believe that the remains that they found of Brian Laundry or Brian Laundry, like okay. dude, dude, please. What is your training you say that? You know, yeah. I'm satisfied when an odontologist, a dentist, compares the dentition and says that's him. I that now for you further they can get DNA from teeth from the pulp Absolutely. and all of that stuff. So they further do the test. I'm satisfied that that was him. But you get dog who's trying to get another TV show to say that it's not him. So he he builds more uh, you know drama and you know, I, I'm certain that. Uh, there was, as you said, the odontologist did the uh, dental examination. That's how they made the positive identification initially. And subsequent to that, I am certain that they did a DNA follow-up. And I don't think there's any question that it's him. And they may find more bones or, you know, different items uh, as time goes on. You know, I, I'm sure they did an extensive search. I know the area was closed for a period of time after uh, the first remains were found. But uh, I, I think that, you know, uh, if you look at the things that precipitated him going into the, the area, uh, they went and bought that trailer. Uh, that maybe they were going to set it up in the woods someplace, uh, thinking ahead that if he was going to be there for an extended period of time, that he would be safe in the trailer from snakes and animals and all the such uh, wildlife that's in the area. And then maybe they had a second thought about it. And maybe it was just, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, maybe I need a time to think. And he went into the woods. And if you think about it, after two days, the family lost contact with him, it sounds like. And then they reported him missing. So I think that those chain of events probably would happen. I don't think he committed suicide. I'm still of the opinion of that. Quite possible. Uh, he could have ingested narcotics. He could have hung himself. Uh, I don't think there was a, uh, unless he shot himself in the chest or something like that. Uh, I don't think it was a gunshot. Uh, to me, it's looking like he went into the woods and, you know, ran into something again, could be the suicide tool, but it sounds like he ran into something that he didn't uh, count on, whether it be a snake or uh, some type of the, the wild boar there, you know, something. Uh, and then there's other animals that we didn't see that are known to that area, the native to that area that we didn't see on that video, like such as bear and stuff. So uh, 
again, uh, anything's possible at this point, but I think that uh, dog's way off base. That's ridiculous. It's yeah, you know, Phil, the only way I'm staying overnight in the Maya Kahachi Preserve is if I'm in a Winnebago that uh, that mocks the Waldorf Astoria as a room. <laughs> I am definitely not staying in a tent. Besides yeah. all of the animals there, there's there's the insects and there's snakes and all of that stuff. There and is just heavily no armed. And heavily armed. With the oh yeah, yeah. Strapped. Yeah. Uh, me. Absolutely. I'd be I'd be strapped with more than one firearm. You know, oh, in yeah. Case, oh yeah. Case one jammed, I would have to have a a second a backup. Well, in those in those conditions, you'd be better served with a rifle as opposed to a pistol. I mean, a pistol's always good for up close, but uh, yeah, definitely a shotgun or some type of rifle, an AR, and uh, you would want something with stopping power because I know people that have hunted those wild boar, and uh, you know, unless you're shooting them with a heavy caliber rifle. Uh, a 22 they could uh, they could laugh at that and still attack you you know so you're talking uh some some heavy duty ammunition and uh I don't, I don't think he was ready for that i don't i don't maybe he did have a firearm with him who knows but uh it doesn't sound like it and uh sounds like he went into the woods uh to escape you know maybe to think about it he's you know uh he needed some time and uh they were going to discuss what they, what they were going to do going forward but Maybe they just said, "All right, get out of the, get out of get out of the area. We'll be in contact with you, and we'll figure this out going forward." Maybe they knew the walls were closing in with an arrest warrant or something of that nature. We know that there was definitely a conversation between the attorney, the family, and the FBI. So we don't know what was said. Uh, they could have, you know, uh, been uh, trying to negotiate some type of. Uh, you know, a surrender or a cooperation, tell us where the body is, something of that nature. And uh, they could have, you know, tried to coax that to, to, to happen by saying it's just a matter of time before we're going to be charging him. And they may have even thrown out there the electronic device, the credit card that was used or something of that nature. So, uh, I mean, that's something that would encourage an attorney to have a, a client maybe cooperate with law enforcement. You know, it's just a matter of time impending doom, so to speak. So uh, we don't know what those exact conversations were. However, the attorney did make note that there was conversations. Sounded like there was more than one. So uh, we have to uh, just keep that in the, uh, in the mix, so to speak. I want to uh, just play. This is a, um, a report from right when they found uh, Brian Laundrie's remains. I'm going to play a little bit of this. Suspected since yesterday. They tweeted out at 5.39 this afternoon, this evening. Put out a tweet the FBI did from Denver, their Denver office, saying a comparison of dental records confirmed that the human remains found at the reserve are those of Brian Laundrie. Meanwhile, the search for additional remains continues here at the reserve. Cadaver dogs were back at the Nature Preserve Thursday, which may indicate the human remains that were found on Wednesday might be scattered. Our thoughts and prayers are with Gabby and the families here. This is tragic. Yesterday, the FBI found Brian Laundrie's backpack and notebook near unidentified human remains. The FBI had not been able to search the area where the remains were found until now because it had been underwater. Today, when I walked back there, I got to see firsthand the treacherous conditions that they were working on. We're talking about water levels up above almost the chest area, rattlesnakes, moccasins, alligators. Brian's parents were not at the preserve Thursday after leaving the day before, noticeably upset 
The family attorney says there is a high probability the human remains that were found are Brian's. I'm, I'm just still thinking about Gabby, not even Brian. Gabby. Jane Kornberger lives five miles away from the nature preserve and joined a group of people here waiting for answers. She was upset when some law enforcement who aren't leading the investigation stood in front of cameras without any real new information. Complete disappointment. They came out to say they were working in treacherous conditions, which we knew. We've known that for a month. The Laundry family reported Brian missing on September 17th after he left their home five days earlier. Brian remains a person of interest in the death of his fiance, Gabby Petito, whose body was found strangled in Wyoming following their month-long road trip out west. Uh, all of America is watching, okay? But we'll never, never jeopardize an investigation to give that information out until the time is right. And this is video that we just got into our newsroom moments ago. So that was when they first uh, found the remains. And, you know, the the information was, uh, it came slowly. And, of course, uh, we still really don't know the results of the autopsy because the autopsy now is in the hands of anthropologists because that's all that was left. So there's still so much uh, conjecture here. And one of the things, and Phil, you touched on it before, that I think is really interesting because I know that the attorney, Stephen Bertolino, for the Laundry family, he's taken a beating, uh, and maybe maybe um, rightfully so. Um, I can't help but think, and look, we know that the right to remain silent is a sacred right, and when an attorney uh, advises you to do so, uh, he's thinking in your best interest. However, what would have happened if he didn't advise, or he came, for example, he came to Florida. He was on Long Island. How do you represent someone from Long Island when this is a high-profile case? It's it's continuously in flux, and you're advising them from uh, thousands of miles away. And then something horrendous happens based on, on the advice you gave him. Maybe it wasn't good advice. I don't know. Well, I think uh, probably the right way to have handled it. I mean, he's a family friend and they reach out to him and they say, listen, we got this situation with our son. Uh, initially, he could do some consultation over the phone, but he definitely 100% uh, should have contacted an attorney in the state of Florida, uh, whether he got a recommendation from uh, another colleague or he just went cold and picked a uh, you know, a criminal. He needed a criminal attorney in Florida that could be, like you said, on site in Florida, able to talk with him face to face, talk with the family face to face and represent him in that fashion. I think that uh, a long distance representation uh, didn't really uh, it didn't serve the client well. And I'm sure if Joe Murray were on, he would agree with that. Um, I think that, uh, you know, sometimes when you have a face-to-face -face interview, uh, you're going to get a better feel for that person. I mean, obviously, he may have a previous relationship with Brian, but it's a whole new dynamic now. Brian's in this situation, and you need to assess his, uh, you know, what his state of mind is, uh, what you think the uh, – the capabilities of that person is maybe to be suicidal, what their mental state is, things like that. And that's the real uh, thing that was missing when you're trying to represent a client from, you know, uh, you know, Phil, you hit, it, you hit it on the head because how can you represent the whole person when you're right. not there seeing the whole person? 
not seeing that, oh my, he's got some, uh, he's really looks bad mentally. His mental state doesn't seem good. How can you assess that from a, a phone meeting, even if it's by Zoom or whatever? Can you really assess that? And how can you really give good lawyerly advice without being on the scene? I think you have to sort of be on the scene. You know, Phil, someone in the chat said that I think Phil Grimaldi could kill one of those feral pigs with his bare hands. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in my 20s when I was a rookie. Uh, I, I, I think they carried it a little too far. That's yeah. straight out of Brooklyn stuff, you know? Give me yeah, a, a Rambo knife and yeah. man. You know, maybe when I was 21, take four, three years of my life. We're not, we're not seeing those feral pigs. We're not seeing those feral pigs in Brooklyn. You know? I, I'd just like to introduce him to my friend Smith and Wesson, if anything. Not uh, anything more than that if I met, met up with one of those feral pigs. A hundred percent. You know, guys, uh, if you're not subscribed to us, please go on our YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, ring that bell. Give us a thumbs up. And, uh, you know, if you want to join the Police Off the Cuff family, we have a YouTube. We have five different levels. The bucket is the most popular, two ninety nine a month, sixty nine ninety nine a month. You can have coffee with Cannon, uh, nine ninety nine a month. You could polish my rack, uh, twenty four ninety nine a month. You could be dipped in butter, and for the premiere, forty nine ninety nine a month. You can be heated, dipped in butter, and that must Ooh. feel that must feel really good. So, folks, uh, try to join the police off the cuff family. Um, you know what? Some of the other things we we I'll, I'll play a little later. Duty Ron also had a great um, anthropologist on, and we know from working nine uh, eleven, we worked the towers and we found a lot of bones at Fresh Kills, and there were several anthropologists on the scene that would advise you. They would say, "Oh no, that's an that's animal bones, or that that's not human." For example, I remember we picked up some bones. We showed it to an anthropologist, and she said, "Oh, that's a turkey." And I, how the hell would we know that, you know? And uh, she knew it right away. So we we have some experience working with anthropologists. But in this case, it's even more difficult because they're trying to identify the bones and what happened to the bones. Were the bones, they have teeth marks on them from certain animals? Uh, were they moved, they're scattered all over the place? Where were they recovered? All types, all, all that type of stuff. You know, when we had um, one of the crime scene people on, uh, he mentioned uh, that sometimes they'll want to do a search at night and they'll shine a blue light into the area and human bones, for whatever reason, will, you know, they'll pop in that uh, that condition. So that could help with, uh, you know, uh, a search. It sounds like his remains were obviously not all intact and probably you're right, Bill. They may have been scattered over a great area. And According to what that person said on Dooney Ron's show, the uh, the wild boar, uh, you know, they're, they're capable of chewing up and eating bones. So it may not. Yeah, but you know, the uh, the anthropologist said that uh, th that's true that they are capable of that, but they will not eat eat teeth because they can't digest teeth. Somehow they know that, so they won't eat that. Uh, right. Kathy Bates, I just want to comment. Uh, Ashley Banfield. Uh, she didn't lie. I think she thought she was right. She said you can represent three people at the same time if they sign a waiver, although sometimes it's definitely not in your best interest. You know, Joe Murray actually looked that up. Yes. And he, he claimed that Ashley Banfield, in fact, was wrong and that Stephen Bertolino was correct. But he didn't know he was correct when, when the interview occurred. So he sort of looked like she got the better of him. Yeah. And, you know, you never want to let a – interviewer from TV 
get the better of you, especially if you're an attorney. You know, you want to make them look like you know everything about the law. And she sort of won up them, and he didn't, I guess, know the law well enough that he he fought for his position, but it seemed like she was right. And then later on that that night or the next day, Joe Murray, our in-house counsel, looked it up and uh, he said, no, Ashley Banfield was wrong. Stephen Bertolino was actually correct. Consigliere Joe Murray. <laughs> Thank That's God right. we have him. But, uh, and, yeah, you know, you Joe, know, Joe's got his own show now, you know. I'm, uh, What's the title and, of the show, Joe? Is there, uh, Bill, is Angie, there a title? Angie's in the chat. I keep forgetting it. Angie, what's the name of your show? I, I, uh, she should post it in the chat. Yeah, uh, we got to give him a shout out. But, uh, yeah, but he, he made the point that, yeah, it's, 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 it's not – illegal for one attorney to represent more than one person. And that person that you just put the comment up made a very good point. It's always not, it's not always in your best interest to have an attorney representing you and someone else. So uh, obviously that, uh, that makes sense. That, that's for sure. Um, you know, the other thing I wanted to uh, talk about was there was also scattered property of yes. Brian Laundry, uh, including in it a notebook. Now, if the notebook had anything of real value, I'm sure we they wouldn't tell us anyway. So, but the problem was a lot of um, a lot of the property, as well as Brian Laundry, was under the water for a couple of weeks, probably three to four weeks. It was covered in water, and you know that's now when the police explain that. It's understandable that they searched this area and uh, back then, and they didn't have any any luck yeah there you go so if if he was over here and the water was you know a foot or two above the banks then he was clearly underwater and they said that the water rose at least you know four or five feet then it receded yeah. again yeah so you know they they were telling the truth i mean the police uh took up in northport they took a beating they took a uh and the biggest part of the beating and i, I said it in a brooklyn way they took a beating <laughs> they took a beating that's the proper pronunciation but they took a beating over the um surveillance and that's yeah. definitely where i think they were remiss because they should have never ever lost sight of brian laundry and if they were counting on the video cameras that were in the back in front of his house as being the eyes on brian laundry that's that's why they lost them yeah, 100%, Billy. That should have been a high-profile surveillance where we're not we're not going to hide in the shadows. We're following you, and uh, you can go wherever you want, but you're going to have somebody present with you. So, I mean, it was very simple. Uh, you probably could have did it with one radio car, 12-hour uh, tours maybe, and uh, covered it uh, 24 hours a day. So that's two people. It uh, doesn't seem like a lot of manpower. And obviously, whoever it was would have radio communication if there was some reason that the guy took off and uh, became a pursuit. So uh, they kind of dropped the ball on that. I have to agree with that. So uh, it is what it is. And they did yeah. take a beating on it. But uh, And again, uh, you know, uh, allowing him to go out into the woods, uh, his family, uh, I bet they uh, probably are sorry they did that. Um, I don't know if there was a suicide note found. I, I'm tending to believe that there wasn't, or like you said, maybe whatever was recovered was underwater and it was just unreadable. I would think that, uh, I said to you earlier today before we went on the air that if there was a suicide note found or any indication of a suicide, I think they would have said something 
relative to that. Maybe uh, a note was found and it could be considered a suicide note uh, and not go into detail. You know, anytime that we've had a suicide, we never release details of suicide note. Uh, most of the time we would just keep it in house and discuss it with the next of kin. But uh, that's as far as it went. We would never discuss a, uh, a suicide note with a reporter or anything like that. No. You know, content. We, we could label it a suicide. That's okay. But uh, I think point I'm trying to make, if it was uh, a suicide note recovered, if there was, I think they would have come out with that. So I'm, I'm leaning to either it was, uh, you know, unreadable if there was something like that because of the water interaction with his uh, property in the notebook or there was no suicide note. Lone Wolf Spirit, thank you for the $5 super chat. And she says, since Brian's parents knew exactly where Brian was, how come nobody is questioning them about assisted suicide? Well, one of the reasons is because they've invoked counsel and no one can question them, period. And that's the biggest reason. Uh, Angie Ang got back to us. The, the show that she's going to do with Joe Murray is called Allegedly Guilty. I can't wait to see the fireworks on oh that show. Oh, my God. I love the title. Especially, <laughs> guilty. especially when we go into the chat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's something. That'll be uh, that'll be a good show. Yeah. I mean, listen, I don't know that uh, going back to that last uh, comment, I don't know that Brian's parents knew exactly where he was. I think they knew he was in the reserve. They reported that to the police when they reported him missing. In the last uh, clip that you showed, Billy, I think the reporter referred to five days. I think it was more like two days that he was uh, unaccounted for in that nature preserve in the Maya Kahachi, uh Creek Environmental Park. I wrote it down so I wouldn't mess it up. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I think it was only a couple of days. I don't think it was five days. And, you know, I'm putting together maybe I'm, I'm theorizing or uh, uh, spitballing a little bit. But I think it sounds like he went in there. Maybe there was no contact for whatever reason. They started to get worried. And that's when they said, oh, we got a report of missing, you know, and, and the search began. And initially we thought that might have been a ploy by the family to throw the police off. Let's send the police in this direction while Brian's going in that direction. And I think that was quite sensible to think that at the time. But a little that we knew, you know, we didn't have inside information on the case. But I would think that whoever it was that was interviewing the parents, you know, got a better feel for things. And that's when they started that whole, um, uh, you know, that whole search. Angela Ang, your show with Joe Murray is called uh, Allegedly Guilty. Guys, they're friends of this show. Please subscribe to Allegedly Guilty. And Angie says, I put a couple of videos in there so it'll be easier to find. Angie's a great uh, editor, so she can put up some really good material. And you guys know Joe Murray's a great attorney. So they have the prescription for a great show. But as I told them, go ahead, do it yourself. See, see how easy it is for you. <laughs> Listen, I can attest to this. I don't do one quarter of what Billy does to get this show on the air. It's a lot of work. And the little bit that I do do with research and stuff like that, it, it, it's time consuming. It's a lot of work. And Angie and Joe are a great team. And uh, obviously, everybody knows Joe. They, he's been on the show so many times. And uh, I think it's going to be a very interesting, great show. And I'm I'm very uh, psyched to, uh, to look it up, check it out, and hopefully to be asked to be on it someday would be nice, too. If you guys never watched Joe Murray, uh, there he is. The man <laughs> of my, the hour. That, that's my favorite pose of Joe Murray right there. What do you want from me? You know, <laughs> are you uh, kidding me? <laughs> what are you out of your mind? Listen, Joe, walk in the side. You you want me to read the commercial? Yeah, go go to the commercial. Okay. 
All kidding aside, you wouldn't want to have a better defense attorney if you're in a jam. But have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He knows both sides of defense. His website is jmurray-law.com. That's jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702. That's 646-838-1702. Or you can email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. That's joe at jmurray-law.com. And look for him on the podcast. What was it? Uh, Allegedly, allegedly, guilty. allegedly guilty. Yes, allegedly guilty. Sounds like it's going to be a winner. You know, one of the things I wanted to touch upon because there's so many rumors on um, YouTube, and you know, a lot of even uh, being uh, pushed by content creators. And one of the things is, um, did Brian Laundry's parents cut a deal with the FBI? I had felt that early on that they were uh, talking to them because there were some inexplicable things. That occurred. And one of them, of course, is going out to exactly the location where they knew that he was staying. And that was the day they found his remains. That seemed to me like too good to be true. Like they they must have cut some deal through their attorney that they wouldn't be prosecuted. Feelings on that, Phil? Yeah, I think there was definitely some negotiation going on. They uh, initial the initial search they uh, they did uh, go to the location uh, and you know point out where they thought he was or gave an area. There was extensive search going on. Again, we had the uh, interaction with the uh, heavy rains that flooded out the area. They had uh, vehicles that were able to travel in uh, you know uh, shallow water, three or four feet or whatever it was. And uh, then when they, uh, I don't know what the, what they must have worked out. I, I think they knew that they lost contact with him. They must have feared the worst. And uh, they must have negotiated some type of uh, deal since there probably was talk of, uh, you know, of charges going in, uh, in their direction. And maybe they uh, went out to the location and said, this is where we last saw him for sure, 100%. And then shortly thereafter, the uh, the remains and the uh, – I think they found the, uh, the the backpack first and the uh, and the notebook and stuff. So, But it's, it they, seemed like the parents almost like went straight to the backpack to yes, where yes, they, they knew they, it was. You know? I mean, all indications are it didn't take a genius to figure out they were there. And shortly thereafter, they came out of the woods. The, the law enforcement officer came out of the woods – and it looked like he was showing them a picture on his phone. That's what it looked like to me. And then, and then at some point they were showing the strap of a, of a backpack. So there was, I, I did see those two things, but there's a video of what I talked about where he's showing them something. It looks like he's showing them something on a phone. It could be an actual item, but it's really unclear. I think it was, of course, they both seem to be looking. It might've been a video on a phone. And I guess with the sunlight, it was hard to really see it. They seem to be straining to look at it. So maybe they've found an item, videotaped it. Is this Brian's? And they were trying to make an identification on that specific item. Later on in the day when the search continued, they found that that strap that was held up. I saw a photo of that. So uh, yeah, it, it does seem kind of, uh, I guess you could call it suspicious that, uh, you know, as soon as they went to the area, his remains were covered. Joe, I, I mean, uh, Phil, I have to uh, pull up Sweet Melissa since I love the name Melissa, Sweet Melissa. Nice that's, my, that's about my favorite Allman Brothers tune. Uh, that's what I didn't understand is how he went exactly where he was, but 
Uh, but CL went out with authorities, didn't he? Check it when he was with them. Um, Chris Laundry, you mean the father? Yeah, Chris, he's still Chris Laundry. The yeah, forgetting the parents' name now. How dare me forget their names? Uh, Chris Laundry went out with authorities, didn't uh, he? Check in with them when he was with them. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that we don't know. We're not privy, as we always say, to the case folder. We're not privy to the look. They were searching uh, the preserve, the Carlton Preserve, for weeks when everyone was else go, was saying, he's not there. He fled the country. I was one of them. Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to admit to it. I thought that early on, I thought he probably was there, but I felt that he he booked out and was in Mexico or something. And I turned out to be wrong. And now you admit I was wrong. But, you know, we make um, uh, predictions, hypothesis on what we know as the evidence at the time. And I really felt that uh, he had fled the jurisdiction. It seemed like all uh, indications were pointing that way. Well, you know, I just want to slam the door on certain things. Do we believe that the remains that were found are Brian Laundry? Yes. 100 percent. Okay. So it, all these internet rumors and you know, that is they planted the bones. So I heard someone even say mm -hmm. they planted the bones in the teeth. Yeah. At the bone and teeth store. They bought them, you know, and they fooled the FBI and the local police that uh, with those bones and teeth that they planted. No, it's kind of hard to uh, exist without a skull, though. When you say, uh, Billy, I, mean, I, I would say so. Skull, but, you know, so. scientifically, they do the test on these things they recovered and it's identified as his. Yeah. I mean, you know, 50, 60 years ago, they wouldn't have been able to they wouldn't have had the science to identify this stuff. But now, yeah. They, they, it's positively identified. So when people say, oh, it was planted there, something suspicious, you know, uh, you have to believe in the science, and I think the science identified him. Now, the biggest thing I want to talk about, um, and the biggest thing that everyone, of course, is interested in is, did Brian Laundrie kill Gabby Petito? And now we can all have our opinions on that. But how do we prove that? How do we prove that? And for this question, I'm gonna I'm gonna hand it to Dr. Phil Grimaldi from straight out of Brooklyn. Dr. Grimaldi, even though I gave you that PhD, I know you don't have one, but <laughs> I'm just gonna ask you, Dr. Grimaldi, what do you think? Well, listen, I think that um there was extensive investigation done in this case, very extensive with regards to telephone interviews, video surveillance. Uh, when I say telephone, cell phones give the exact locations. Then we had the uh, the family, uh, the uh, Bethunes that found, uh, uh, when they went back and looked at their video that they had been traveling, they found the white van. Um, and then there was also the, the crime scene investigation when Gabby Petito's body was recovered. Now, we don't know what condition that body was in when it was recovered. I believe it was mostly intact from the reports that I read. However, we don't know for certain, but there may be specific uh, pieces of evidence that were recovered from her body that may also have been recovered from the van. Uh, th there's, there's a lot of different things, what we call circumstantial evidence. So circumstantial evidence may place Brian in and around uh, the specific time that we believe that uh, Gabby was killed, which is uh, the 27th or the 28th of August. So if his cell phone uh, records put him in that location, that's one piece of uh, 
of circumstantial evidence. And when you take one piece and another piece and another piece and another piece and all these different pieces of circumstantial evidence come together, it's enough for a, a criminal prosecution. Is it enough to say 100% that he did it? Well, we can't say 100%, but we would be able to possibly with all the different interviews and all the evidence I just discussed, we can bring it to a jury. Uh, we could try the case and a jury of a person's peers, Brian's peers, would make the decision whether it would be guilty or not guilty, you know? So uh, I think that uh, the family is entitled to a sit down with the law enforcement agency, which would be the FBI um, that investigated this case. And they should go over with them specifically all of the different things that were done with regard to telephone records. I mean, there was interviews done uh, all along the way from where they were when they had the problem in Moab of uh, Brian traveling from the area where she was killed back to Florida. They know he made, uh, I think they, they, there's been reports he made seven stops. I don't know if that's true. It had to be more than one or two. Uh, you know, it's a great distance. So again, uh, maybe he had, uh, you know, blood on his clothing or he scratches on his face or different things of that nature. So if we put everything together that was recovered from Gabby Petito's body from the crime scene investigation when she was recovered. And we put all the other elements of everything I discussed, whether it be telephone evidence, video evidence, uh, there's videos in gas stations and, and convenience stores, 7-Eleven, things like that. Uh, maybe there was a scratch on his face. So if we put all these pieces of circumstantial evidence, as well as possibly, possibly, um, blood evidence, serology, different things like that recovered from the scene where she was killed, as well as uh, the van, uh, which uh, we know that he took back to Florida. So if we took all of those things, I think there's probably enough to, uh, you know, to lay out a criminal investigation for a homicide on this case. We'll never know because it's not going to happen because he's dead. But uh, I think the family is definitely entitled to those uh, very important facts. Phil, you know, I just had to, uh, Ann Boyle, she put, she put up, and I, I didn't watch Dog on the show the other day, so I don't know what he said. Uh, Dog says it's an old burial ground. You know, Dog, I mean, as I said, he's a cartoon character. He's a he's a, uh, a reality TV. He's a figment of TV's imagination. And m many people take him too seriously. And has he made some good, um, some good apprehensions? Yes, he has, but... He's also, you know, he's. I've watched that TV show that he used to be on. It's actually laughable when you watch it. Uh, Beacon of Hope. Great. Thanks for the 499 Super Chat. Great platform. What do you think about the parents that already found Brian dead and that's why they took the car and knew where he was? I mean, th is that a possibility, Beacon of Hope? What do you think, Phil? Is it possible? Yes. 100% yes. But can you go to sleep at night? knowing that your child is dead, left in the woods, and is probably going to be eaten by animals or, you know, dispersed. I don't think, I, I just don't feel that, you, you know, they got a bad rep in the beginning. People were referring to them as the dirty, dirty laundries, which I even did myself. And, and I, I, uh, I, I stopped doing that because I just thought it was, it wasn't the right thing to do. But at the end of the day, um, they're human beings. That was their son. Uh, I know that they didn't have a lot of regard for Gabby. I'll give you that. Uh, I'm very annoyed with the way that they reacted with regard to Gabby, 100%. But uh, I don't know if, you know, he's dead. L let's just carry on this uh, 
the charade for a couple of weeks and let the uh, the elements and and the animals uh, get at him? I don't think so. You know, on in the NYPD, uh, if we had a, a case like this, we would do uh, we'd complete the investigation, and we would present the case to a boss, and potentially even to a district attorney, and say, "Can we clear this? Can we exceptionally clear it?" Right. That's what it was called. Right. So you would, in essence, clear the case as on this one, say, we felt that Brian Laundrie did it. We presented all the evidence, even if it was circumstantial. And really, it's academic because he's no, he's, he's dead, so he's not going to jail. But could we almost irrefutably or by a preponderance of the evidence say that he most likely did it and clear the case that way? And that, And we do that on the NYPD, but it has to be a high level of the preponderance of the evidence. But obviously there's not going to be any um, false conviction or anything like that because he's dead. But with all the evidence, we could say that we really think based on all our evidence, circumstantial evidence, physical evidence, um, electronic evidence, computer evidence, that he's the the perpetrator. And we would do what's called an exceptional clearance because obviously no one's going to be arrested for this. I'm glad you brought that up, Billy, because with an EC case, we call it an EC in the NYPD, exceptional clearance, like you stated. Um, A lot of times we'll do an EC based on corroboration from a witness. Uh, A person committed a murder, they're either dead or they're doing 150 years in jail and it doesn't even uh, qualify to, uh, you know, to try and bring them up on, on the charges, whatever the case may be. But in this case, I think one of the things that might be specific to uh, attaining uh, an exceptional clearance would be whether or not there was any other DNA recovered from her body when it was found. Now, if there's no other DNA and there could be possibly his, and then we're going to take all these circumstantial facts, I think it wouldn't be much of a stretch to get an, an EC out of it, you know, based on earlier today of the 27th, he was enraged. There was that incident in the, uh, the restaurant, I think it was called the piglet. And, uh, there was the the dispute with the uh, manager of the restaurant, and he stormed out, and he was described as being enraged and and uh, you know uh, completely out of it, uh, upset. And she went back in there hysterical, crying, apologizing. And we believe that the murder may have taken place later that day or into the next day. So you know, if you put all these elements and you you document it and you corroborate that all of these events leading up to the time of death, as well as the events that took place after the death. And you can, you can cite uh, specific pieces of actual evidence and circumstantial evidence, and you can close it out with what what we call an exceptional clearance. I don't think that that would be uh, so difficult in this particular case. Again, based on if there's other DNA recovered on that body, when she's found, that would definitely throw a monkey wrench into everything. And I don't think that's the case, but that would be one of the criteria that I think would uh, make it fly if there was just, you know, no, either his DNA or no other DNA. And then you took all the other facts, you'd probably be able to come up with uh, with an exceptional clearance. Catman Records, thank you for the $5 super chat. Do you guys remember a similar case in Oceanside, uh, Long Island? Kelly Antinius, killer Robert Golub, was locked up in two weeks, family forced to move by neighbors. That was a horrendous case. Yeah, I think that he killed his next door neighbor and uh, they, the families, I think lived side by side for years. And it was just the, almost like the Hatfields and the McCoys, but 
tragic case. I, I would be interested to know if Robert Golub is out on parole by now. It must have been over 25 years. Uh, you know, my my, bro my brother lives not far from that area where that took place, and he uh, he has referenced it a few times when we were talking about the Gabby Petito case on, on Police Off the Cuff, and I'm not sure if he's in or out, but, yeah, there was some, some strange twists and turns in that case. I mean, uh, I think it was – uh, the, the girl was the friend of his younger sister and he, I don't know if he molested her or raped her and then uh, killed her. And, uh, the, the killer was right next door. It was, was uncovered in a brief period of time and he was arrested and charged. I believe he went to jail for it, but, uh, I'm not sure if he's out. You know, this is what we're trying to dispel Devon Lindsay. It's very obvious that the evidence was planted. All you people actually think his parents could have found him within 30 minutes of searching are absolutely morons. Devon, I don't know how you plant um, teeth that belong to the deceased or a skull that belongs to the deceased. I don't know how you do that. Um, and also how you have law enforcement agencies, they would all have to be complicit in this cover-up. And the dentist would have to be complicit in this cover-up. The pathologist, the anthropologist, they'd all have to be complicit in this cover-up. So, uh, um, I, and I hope you don't mind that I highlighted that, but I just want to show that there are people, Devin, that, that think like you and that think that this is a conspiracy. And obviously dog is one of them. And, um, that's why we say he's a cartoon character because he absolutely doesn't know what he's talking about, you know? Listen, there's all kinds of conspiracy theories. I know that as of late, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of integrity in the FBI, what's been going on in the last, I don't know, five or 10 years, whatever it is. There's things that have happened that make people lose trust in law enforcement. However, I do believe, I'm very certain, I have a lot of faith that the FBI did properly identify these remains as his. I don't think there's any, let's get off the conspiracy theories, guys. It was him. He's dead. That was his skull. That was his teeth. And I'm sure, like I said earlier, there was a DNA follow-up. So I don't think that, the, I mean, and what reason would a law enforcement agency have for covering up, you know, whether or not it's Brian's remains or not? I mean, there would be no reason. I mean, he's not, uh, he's not the president of the United States son. He's, uh, he's just an ordinary citizen. So I, I don't think that there's room for any kind of conspiracy theories in that. So yeah, a dog is way off. Uh, he's not, he's not a law enforcement officer. He's a novice. Uh, he might be good at uh, hunting people down as a bounty hunter, but uh, he's not a criminal investigator. And uh, I think he's quite wrong about, uh, you know, saying, making, a, uh, making such a, an outlandish statement that these remains are not Brian's. I think uh, it's clear. It is. I think we can put that to rest. Uh, beacon of hope. Are the authorities still looking for a suspect in Gabby's murder? So if you're already talking, that's what we were are talking about because um, if the evidence so far uh, points to Brian Laundry, minus other evidence pointing to someone else, they would still zero in on Brian Laundry and at some point close the case as an exceptional clearance based on the uh, circumstantial evidence and some physical evidence that they have that Brian Laundry, uh, in fact, uh, murdered her. Now we don't, when we don't have all the information that law enforcement has, we don't have all the information that the FBI has. 
We don't have all of the computer evidence. We don't have all the electronic evidence, the video evidence. Uh, so they know things that we don't know. So at when it comes time to, say, close the case and point it, say, yes, Brian Laundrie, we believe that he murdered Gabby Petito, they can, in fact, close the case with what's called an exceptional clearance. You know, Billy, I'm glad that that question was brought up or that comment was brought up because there are times during an investigation where things pop up. Like, for instance, in the Gabby Petito homicide, there was a double homicide in a close proximity to where she was found. The uh, law enforcement looked at it. They looked at the motive. They looked at the circumstances of the death, and they ruled that within a short period of time, probably a few days, that there was no connection between Gabby Petito's murder and that double murder that occurred. Uh, I, when I say a close proximity, it might have been, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 miles away. Or it was it was in the same state. So obviously uh, things like that pop up and you, you want to investigate them and eliminate them so that well, you're not taken off the track of the right suspect. And I've had that happen in, in uh, early on in a homicide. I had a triple homicide one time where uh, there was indications that uh, – the woman who was killed, uh, there was actually three people killed, uh, that the woman had had a fight uh, the previous day uh, with a person. And we, we started to think maybe that person could have come back to exact revenge. There was some fight. It was a fight over drugs, narcotics. and uh, But shortly after that, we, uh, we zeroed in on two suspects. They both confessed. Uh, gave great detail about the crime scene. So the point is that that person uh, was eliminated as being a suspect in the, in the murder. So when things like that do pop up, there's, uh, you know, sometimes it's, uh, it's something try, tries to take you off the track. You have an obligation to look at that, that, you know, sometimes maybe it's not taking you off the track. That might be the actual uh, person that's responsible for the homicide. So you have an obligation to either include or exclude uh, whatever that in, uh, information is uh, uh, part of the investigation. Margaret Hearn, I always like your comments, and I like this one too. I'm going to read it. What would be benefit to the laundries to speak out or give an interview? Sure to blame Gabby Petito for everything and ruining that precious, pathetic murder of a son. Best way, uh, best to not be charged is to keep quiet. You know, it worked for them, didn't it? It has worked for them that they kept their mouth shut. They were... Uh, they were advised not to speak, and they they stayed with that advice. Glenn Kirk. There could have been, the Billy, real quick, there could have been a little bit of benefit for them had they come out early on and said, listen, uh, you know, we're so worried about Gabby. Uh, you know, she's missing. We don't know where she is. We're, my son doesn't know, or just speak for themselves even. We don't know where she is. That would have benefited them a little bit in the media. Maybe there wouldn't have been such harsh, uh, you know, remarks and terms and and the protests and everything like that. So there would have been some benefit maybe in the beginning. At this point, best thing for them to do is to, run, you know, fade off into the sunset. Glenn Kirk, over the last couple of years, the feds have taken a lot of flack for misconduct. They should not be able to keep all this secret. I think a lot of mistakes were made, so hiding things makes sense. Well, I'm not going to disagree with you about that the feds have made a lot of mistakes in the last few years. and There's been a lot of uh, transparency trying to look at, you know, every time the feds don't want to tell you something, they claim it's top secret. You know, it's a national security issue. And I totally don't buy that. In this case, though, the feds, um, that's their posture. They don't release stuff to the press. They don't share information unless they have to. And they're very closed mouth. And that's that's probably a good thing, to tell yeah. you the truth. 
It probably is a good thing. But you have to um, share some stuff. Uh, Schmitty, thanks for the $5 super chat. Will we get that exceptional clearance? Good if that's the closure. I believe nothing was planted, and I believe the mistakes were legit too. Schmitty, the exceptional clearance is a NYPD thing. I don't know if the Moab police who uh, actually caught the case or the FBI have something similar to that, that all the evidence points to it, so we're going to close the case in that way. Uh, I don't know. Catman Records, as much as you retired PD have um, patience for time on investigations, are you frustrated? Isn't this taking a bit long for FBI to release info re Gabby? No, I don't, not knowing the FBI, it's not. They may never release all the things that you want released or that I want released. They may never tell anyone, you know, and that's that's their posture. Will someone write a book on this case? I would bet, I would bet there's would probably bet one that, already completed. Yeah, I would bet. That's gonna. That's definitely gonna happen. You know? I, I would think that the Petito family could request a sit down with law enforcement, being the FBI, and get uh, updates. Even you know, there, there may still stuff uh, be stuff outstanding in regard to you know uh, whether it be phone records or examination. You know, they they held the body for quite a, a long time. I'm sure they did extensive. Uh, testing on it. So when everything comes together, uh, I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility that they could get uh, updates, whether it be weekly. And then at some point when the investigation, I think there's going to be, I don't know if they call it an exceptional clearance, but I would really think that there's going to be some type of uh, a closing statement on this case, whoever the lead agent is that, you know, after all the facts of the investigation have been reviewed and gathered and we feel that this case is going to be closed based on the fact that Brian Laundry, who was the main suspect, is deceased. And, you know, name all the different pieces of circumstantial as well as physical evidence. And I think there's going to be a closure to it. They must have some type of procedure to close it. But the, again, the point, the family uh, probably is going to get to sit down with uh, the FBI and, and get to go over and ask questions. I'm sure they got a lot of questions, you know, uh, there's no closure for them. They're not getting their daughter back. So uh, to uh, entertain questions, I think is, uh, is actually, uh, you know, something that definitely should be done. Joe, Joe Murray just, just showed up in the super chat and uh, he wrote the investigation needs to continue. There still may be a murderer out there. Alleg allegedly guilty, right? Yeah, Is that I, 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 I don't know about that, Joe. Yeah, I think he's uh, his remains were recovered in the uh, Mayakahatchee uh, Creek Reserve. I think that's where the murderer is. Um, but uh, so you, you know, if there, if there, real quick, if there was some other DNA recovered off of her body, or they had any inkling that there was another uh, possible suspect out there, wouldn't it be uh, an obligation? of law enforcement to caution people about the area or, you know, they think some, you know, some other psycho stumbled upon Gabby and killed her. You know, there would be, I think there would be some, uh, you know, it would be some indication of that from law enforcement, you know? So I don't think that that's going to be the case. And again, we don't have access to the file, so we don't really know, but I think the possibility is very small. True helper. Great, great question. Will Gabby's family be able to file a wrongful oh, good death question. lawsuit? Good question. Great, uh, great question. That's why the investigation has to continue. And they have to really, in essence, prove that uh, the person that they feel, that we all, that a lot of us feel that Brian Laundry killed Gabby Petito. We need the law enforcement uh, agency that's handling this 
to really come up with a strong, strong circumstantial case so that a civil lawsuit like that could uh, potentially be successful. You know, Billy, uh, uh, civil cases, it goes doesn't go uh, beyond the reasonable doubt. The threshold is a preponderance of the evidence, which would mean, uh, you know, you have a six-person jury, and if four of the six rule, I mean, this is how it is in New York. I'm not sure how it is uh, other places, but if four of the six agree that they – the lawsuit is in favor of the petitioner and uh, the defendant would be found guilty and have to pay whatever uh, the court determines would be the settlement. So uh, it's the point is the threshold on a criminal case, let's say a homicide case is proof beyond a reasonable doubt on a civil case. The threshold is a lot lower. It's called a preponderance of the evidence, which is uh, a much lower bar that has to be reached a much lower threshold. So, uh, and like you said, uh, the criminal investigation would be uh, definitely uh, subpoenaed for uh, to proceed with the, with the civil case. You know, you're, you're going to use that as your uh, as your base to uh, to make the civil case. That look at all these different pieces of circumstantial evidence that uh, have occurred, and the lawsuit would be uh, projected to uh, the estate of Brian Laundry. Absolutely, Linda Bianchini. This is the last question. Have they reported the DNA finding by the forensic anthropologist? I haven't heard it reported yet that the DNA was positively identified. That'll be coming along because they have the dental uh, records identified. Um, we're gonna we're gonna uh, close this case for now. And uh, Phil, final thoughts. Final thoughts. I think we had a pretty good review tonight of uh, everything that transpired in this case. Again, uh, thoughts and prayers to Gabby Petito's family. Uh, you know, I wouldn't, uh, I could only imagine I sympathize with them. They're never going to have full closure. There's probably a lot of unanswered questions moving forward. I would hope the FBI law enforcement can help them with that. Again, Brian Laundrie, uh, I know his family's probably uh, suffering as well. There were no winners in this case. So, uh, uh, anything new develops, I'm sure we'll be right on top of it. And uh, Bill, I know we have a show on Thursday evening with uh, Jonathan. How do you say his last name? Al uh, Alpiri. 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 Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because I know that's going to be an interesting topic that uh, uh, all the things that he's done. Uh, maybe you want to give a little uh, quick. Uh, yeah. Jonathan Alpiri is a, a war photographer and he's been all over the world photographing wars. And one time he was taken. um, hostage for three months by the Syrian rebels and a warlord actually paid the ransom and got him released. So he's got, he's an unbelievably uh, talented guy and he's been following um, the immigration through Costa Rica, the illegal aliens coming from Haiti through Costa Rica and going up into Mexico. And he's been following that both photographically and journalistically. And he's going to report that on what he's found on our show and it's fascinating, and he has there's some fascinating pictures that he's taken along the way. So Thursday night, Jonathan Alpiri will be on our show. Uh, you know, folks, we tried to take a little uh, a different uh, view of this case than we've seen a lot of other people. I thank Duty Ron for allowing us to use some of his material. Uh, and, you know, some of the other uh, investigative channels, uh, it's very difficult as an investigator when you don't have – the exact right information because you're not getting it from what I consider to be the horse's mouth. We're getting it secondhand. But uh, I think we took a pretty good uh, stab at this tonight, just showing a different point of view. 
and maybe trying to dispel some of the rumors. Again, if you're not subscribed, go on our YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button, ring that bell, and give us a thumbs up. Folks, on behalf of myself, Bill Cannon, from Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories, and my co-host, Phil Grimaldi, have a great night, and thank you so much for watching. Stay safe, everyone. Just ain't enough